0: All right, we made it to Friday, friends. Welcome to Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid. Craig Mish, Davis, Maddock. Two hours fantasy sports talk, wagering sports talk. We cover all sports on Friday fantasy baseball, NASCAR, basketball, football. You ask it, we give it to you. And Davis, the Suns really gave it to us last night as they go up two zip in their best of seven series. And uh, certainly could not have asked for more from Giannis last night. I thought maybe that was one of the better games he's played over the last couple of years. But he has got to get some help, Davis. What's going on here? All right. Yeah, what a great game for Giannis last night, as Chris mentioned in the uh, in the update. Just a phenomenal, phenomenal performance, but not much from Middleton. Uh, Drew Holiday, who we heard from yesterday on the show, uh, When I mean, Davis, I mean, Holiday told us exactly what he was going to do in that soundbite yesterday, and he did. I mean, he took a lot of shots, but they weren't going in. Just not a lot of help for Giannis.
2: Yeah, you know, I said yesterday when we were doing our preview for this game, I said the the Bucks are gonna kind of go as Drew Holiday goes. Seven for 21 from the floor, one for three from three. Only only three three-point attempts. Not, not ideal, especially when Mikael Bridges is gonna go. You know, Mikhail Bridges, the fourth option on the Suns offense, shot nine three-pointers. And, you know, Middleton really wasn't shooting a ton of threes. The Bucks went nine for 31 from three point range. 9 of those three pointers were from Pat Connaughton. Look, you know, if you are if you're sitting there in the NBA Finals and you're saying Pat Connaughton led us in three point attempts, not uh, not ideal. I'm I'm not burying Giannis for this. Giannis did literally everything he could. Uh yeah. I I I kind of blame this one on on Middleton and Holiday. Really, Holiday just had a he was bad. He was really bad.
0: Yeah, it's two games in a row, but you know what? They're going to go back to Milwaukee's on Sunday, and I think they'll get right. Let's look at our headlines here. As we start off the show here, it is Friday, the 9th of July, 2021. As we mentioned, the Suns take a 2-0 lead in the best-of-seven series. Milwaukee will play on Sunday back at home. The Magic look like they'll have a new coach. Jamal Mosley potentially could be announced today, tomorrow, at least according to reports. So we'll see. A Padres reliever, Daniel Camarena. This was maybe the moment of the season last night. A reliever called up on the same day, comes in the game uh, after the, the starting pitcher goes out, hits a grand slam off Max Scherzer. Washington was up eight to nothing in that game, and the Padres came all the way back. That could have been the moment of the year for me. Brad Miller. Uh, uh, hits three home runs against the Cubs. The Cubs are falling apart at the seams. They've won one game in the last two weeks, and that's just kind of been the story there, no doubt. Uh, but what was the key last night in the NBA game? Of course, as Davis mentioned, some ineffective performances from Milwaukee players outside of Giannis, but Bucks probably don't uh, don't really, I-, I think, if they want to look back on this, they're going to be regretting the fact that they let Devin Booker get so wide open for three-point shots. He hit them all and talked about the three threes that he hit last night to put the Bucks away
3: you know I think a few of them are open and you know we 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 prepare for these moments like you said um, nobody's running from any action or any type of type of moment like you guys are saying and you know it's not just me it's one through five it's like you said setting setting my man up DeAndre hitting the screen Chris causing enough attention to 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 get me open so you know it's all the collective group it's team basketball and You know, that's why I feel like we've been successful for most of the year.
0: Yeah, like, it's really amazing. Like, Davis, like, the recipe, the cooking recipe for the Suns never changes. It's like the same team. They go in with the same plan. I mean, eventually they're just going to wait for Booker to win it, or eventually DeAndre Ayton will do something. It's like the least sexy finals team that I could ever remember with nobody going bananas but yet it's it's just a team that's really well run. And now we're gonna really find out a lot about them when they go back to Milwaukee on Sunday because very clearly, even though I think we both feel the Bucks still have a really good shot in this series, uh the Bucks obviously have to win on Sunday night. I mean, that's just all there is.
2: Yeah, I mean, if the Bucks lose on Sunday, you and I are gonna come back here on Monday morning and just kinda shrug our shoulders, right? But what what do you want what do you want me to say? You know, if it's if it's three zero. The suns can give them a game the suns can give them two games it doesn't matter they are going to come out of the series with a win i hope that's not what happens you know i love a good long competitive nba finals i hope that uh i hope that the bucks figure it out i particularly hope that drew holiday and chris middleton figure it out because what what uh, what you really don't want is you don't want Giannis getting slandered all offseason about how he can't win when he had about the best series he possibly could on a hobbled knee and I, I mean, really, the Bucks' problem is that they are paying Middleton and Drew Holiday a combined like $85 million. And it seems like they are not a combined $85 million worth of basketball player.
0: Yeah. And look, Middleton has come up very big for them in the playoffs thus far. So through two games, he has not. But Holiday in particular, as you said, even in the last game, uh, you know, that that's part of the Bucks' story. But look, let's just give credit to the Phoenix Suns. Right now they're playing like the best team in the NBA. We sat here two years ago, Davis, on the show. I believe it was me and and Joe Pizzoppia or even Joe Ranieri. I don't remember, but we were just making fun of the Suns. I think they lost like 19 games in a row or something insane. I just can't recall a turnaround this quick. Maybe the Spurs, when they lost all those games uh, a while ago, and and they had, I I believe it was David Robinson out for the year. They were like 15-50. and Or 70, whatever it was. And then they came back and they had Duncan and Robinson because Robinson missed the year and they ended up winning the championship. It kind of feels like that. I don't I don't remember a turnaround this quick. But all right, we got to uh, take a break. We'll dive more into the game from last night as we hear from some of the participants. We'll hear from Chris Paul. We'll also hear from Giannis on his game as well. Stay on the grid. since davis and i uh, don't work the weekends here at sports grid although davis may work the weekend i guess daily road is part of that so he'll be working i will not i will be uh, off this weekend I'm going to a lot of baseball games, as you guys can imagine, getting ready for the Major League Baseball draft on Sunday night, which is probably not interesting to a lot of you. But I will force it down your throat a little bit on Monday, just a little bit. Not as much as as Davis does with soccer, but I will force a little bit of the draft on Monday from a fantasy perspective, prepare you for the future. And then we'll discard it. We won't talk about it again. But because that is the case and we're not going to be here. I thought we would talk a little bit about Sunday's NBA game, game three. I know it's still really fresh, but let's at least get it out there. Those of you who listen or watch the show on demand, it may help you for Sunday. So let's take care of that. Uh, before we do that, let's go back to last night. Chris Paul, of course, is chasing down a championship. He is now two games away and was asked if he can sort of feel the momentum and the hugeness of being up to nothing in the series as opposed to some of the younger guys who were there for the first time.
1: Uh, no, I have a pretty good... Um, I do a pretty good job of staying in the moment. You know, maybe a lot of the guys on our team, this their first playoff series. You know, they don't know the heartache or the heartbreak. They just out there playing. So for me, um, I know how quick things can change. I know how a possession or play can change the dynamics of an entire series. So for me, um, I don't get too high, I don't get too low. I just stay stay even keel. Wasn't always like that, you know, but I, I know that these, um situations are you know don't don't happen every day
3: thanks
0: have a feeling that will change for chris paul if they win the championship but looks like he is staying on the even line for now let's take a look at the real line davis as we go into this game on sunday no surprise here there there are going to be some really Surprised people to see Milwaukee minus four, but they just have not been paying attention to the Bucks. If that is the case, so they are four-point favorites going into Sunday, and the total is two twenty-two. And as we know, Phoenix leads the series two-zero. Now, look, you have still two days to get this figured out. What you want to do here, Davis? And let's be transparent: you rode the Bucks the last two games. You're zero for two. Are you going to jump off this one by the time Sunday comes? Have you seen anything in the first two games? that would sway your opinion and say, you know what, give me the points for uh, for Phoenix going into Sunday?
2: I mean, Phoenix has been really impressive, but if we are going to look at things critically, Chris Middleton has been pretty brutal for two games. Drew Holiday has been pretty brutal for two games. And the Suns have gotten better than average expected, you know, contributions from their secondary players, right? Mikhail Bridges scoring 27 points. Uh, basically, they have just had someone – To pick up the slack if things weren't working chris paul has been phenomenal in both games devin booker has been great in both games i mean i and i think these two teams are very evenly matched but uh if you remember this is basically like the spot that the bucks were in against the nets they came back home they were down 2-0 everyone had written them off everyone is saying the nets are winning the nba championship this is over it's not even close and the bucks dug deep and they figured it out. And I feel like, I, I think personally, I feel like the market has been a little bit too quick to say, you know, the bucks just don't have it. The bucks aren't going to do it this year. Like I, I, I can't help. Maybe I just, maybe I just, uh, am too high on Giannis. Maybe that's really the problem, but I, I just think he is so phenomenal. I think they're going to figure it out.
0: Yeah. I, I think the line says Milwaukee wins. That's what, what I look at this. Cause I think there'd be a lot of people that are going to rush to take Phoenix in this one. Um, I still am going to stay with Phoenix for the series, but I do think that the Bucs win on Sunday. Uh, Total is 222, by the way, in this game. You can bet that over on FanDuel right now. Now, one of the things that's kind of come out of at least the first two games of this series, as we talked about, has been the disappointment of Drew Holiday, but now the disappointment of Chris Middleton, who of course didn't have two great games to start off the series, although Middleton has been really good in the playoffs. And with the 42 points that Giannis had last night, he was asked about the critical play of Middleton through a couple of games and whether or not basically he is worried being down 0 2 with his co stars not playing very well.
3: Um, You know, just uh, keep, keep talking to him. Keep, you know, tell him to be aggressive, no matter, you know, what's going on. You gotta, you gotta stay aggressive and you, you cannot, you cannot get, you know, in your feelings. You know, um, it's hard not to, you know, NBA finals, uh, 20,000 people booing you and all that. It's, it's kind of hard, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's not about, you know, it's not about me. It's not about him. It's not about Chris. It's not about, you know, uh, coach is about all of us, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, if uh, there's a game that you're three for 12 or whatever the case might be, and you can, you know, rebound the ball or um, get a steal or, you know, do something else, you know, to help the team win, that's what it's all about right now, and uh, I think he understands that, and um, I don't worry at all about him, I know he's, he's going to be there, he's going to be there uh, when we need him the most, and uh, I'm He's a great basketball player. He's a great basketball player, and uh, he's played great all year, and he's going to continue to play great for this team. All
0: right, so no waning confidence. You would expect that, of course, from Giannis, for sure. But we all know the deal. Uh, In order for the Bucs to win, Giannis should be somewhere between 30 and 40 and holiday and Middleton's should be somewhere between 15 and 25 like that that's where it's going to have to be on le- on better than 30% shooting so that's clear so before we check out on these uh, on on the playoffs here Sunday and as you said it's great for us to have content here for seven games too and we're all rooting for the bucks here to continue this series because next week is the all-star break so we need it davis let's get some early leans from you on the Sunday game for fanduels uh, sports book what do you got here
2: so i i mean that what a, what a quote there from Giannis about his teammate chris middleton i mean I, I i feel like of all the things that we don't give Giannis enough credit for his ability of like how fast he learned english and then how eloquently he's able like Giannis speaks like multiple languages and he just gives this great soliloquy on his teammates and how he still believes in his teammates english is like his fourth language like what just what an impressive human being Giannis is that i i always love to see that side of uh, professional athletes But uh, I was looking ahead at some of the bets that have been posted by the FanDuel Sportsbook for Game 3, and one of the first ones that really leapt out at me is Middleton to be the highest point scorer in Game 3 at 5-1. to We have already seen multiple times, you know, basically Middleton pick the rest of the Milwaukee Bucks up by their scruff and drag them across the finish line to wins in these games. Certainly he is not going to be shy about getting shots off right like we know middleton absolutely loves to shoot not uh definitely not uh gonna be trigger shy just because he shot 20 percent. then the other one was i think that they are gonna start playing brooke lopez a little bit more we saw that he went to 28 minutes from 22 minutes from game one to game three so that meant that he got 10 shots up only scored eight points because you know he look, guys are going to miss shots, especially when your team is losing. But I think that this line looks a little bit low at 11 and a half, probably should be like 12 or 12 and a half. And then this Devin Booker line seems very bizarre. Like he is really getting up three point shots. He is shooting double digit three pointers uh, per game in this series. And his makes is over under two and a half. And, and the over is even money that, I mean, that one, that, that feels like the best one that's available.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, he had three in the fourth quarter yesterday. So that's exactly the first thing that I was thinking. I mean, look, Middleton is a nice little long shot. I mean, not really. I mean, five to one, it's certainly possible. There's a couple of guys ahead of him. But I definitely think that there's a chance of that. But either way, uh, even though Davis and I are off, make sure you tune into to In Game Live on Sunday. And we have great weekend programming that's going to carry you through all of the baseball games, of course, all of the basketball. Uh, next week, regardless, on Monday, We will recap game four or uh, game three of the NBA Finals. But as we've talked about here on the show before, starting on Monday, so that is the 10th, 11th, the 12th, uh, the second hour of our fantasy sports show here on fantasy sports today, we're going to be pivoting over to a lot of fantasy football discussion. Now we'll keep doing baseball for you guys here. And as you know, it's very important for me to help you out in your fantasy baseball leagues throughout the season. I'm not going to ignore that. But we are going to do a lot more football content starting Monday and as soon as the NBA finals are over. So just make sure you know that. Any questions or comments, hit me up on Twitter at Craig Mitch. We'll go through it. Coming up next, afternoon baseball in Chicago. Can they win a game? Probably not. we have 21 days baseball trade deadline and there are a lot of reports percolating yesterday that the chicago cubs are going to be sellers at the trade deadline in fact their general manager jed hoyer took a realistic view of it and said if you're i think if you're winning if your percentage to make the postseason is in the single digits, then you should consider that. But I would say this, Davis, it is a little odd. Um, It is a little odd that they did this. So I would say that once they mention it, then you kind of know that it's going to happen. I don't know what the benefit is to that, but regardless, that's what was said yesterday. Uh, You know, on the flip side, I'm not saying that like Miami is doing it the right way, saying that they're still in it, being basically down eight games in the East and 12 in the wild card, but... Maybe through the media when you do it, it signals teams to call more. It kind of tells me they're not getting calls. I don't know. I can't figure it out. But anyway, that's what I'm here to do is break that down, and I couldn't even do it for you. Bad job. Okay, here's what we can do a little bit better. We can bet against the Cubs today. Cardinals are plus 138. Cubs somehow are minus 164. Cardinals have been, honestly, I hate to say it because I know I have a lot of Cardinals fans watching, a disaster. It has not been good for them at all. But the Cubs have been a bigger disaster. So Wade LeBlanc, oof. Wade LeBlanc, left-handed starter, been around forever. not going to strike out a lot of guys, but neither is Kyle Hendricks. I think I'm just going to take St. Louis today out of spite. <laughs> I can't take the Cubs anymore.
2: I mean, there's no way. There's no way I'm logging on to do this show today and going to say anything positive about Wade LeBlanc. Wade LeBlanc, 36 years old. He has not had a sub-5 ERA since 2018 that was in 27 starts 32 appearances for his career he's a four and a half era he has a strikeout rate for his career of 17 percent like i'm not doing this i i will i will tell you this craig we can bet the over on the total for this game i will i will uh, i will let that happen but i there's no way i'm logging on here and i'm saying you know what Let's just go ahead and bet it all on Wade LeBlanc as the underdog. We can we can say that we don't like both of these starting pitchers because it's true. Both of us do not like these starting pitchers, and uh, we can just you know move on. Uh, we can move on with our day as uh, as over betters for this early afternoon game in Wrigley.
0: Yeah, I want no part of this game except for it'll kill time for me after doing Marlins interviews in the afternoon. Got it? I mean, they're they're um, this is the first day that I'll be on the field. Today, uh, speaking to Don Mattingly in person, uh, that that just arrived this week. They're allowing that to happen. But then there's like this two-hour window where I just have nothing to do. I'm listening to podcasts, sitting in the press box. It's no fun. I'll get to watch the Cubs and Cardinals at least. Okay, that's that's not interesting for you guys. Here is what's interesting. Tampa Bay and Toronto. The uh, Jays uh, basically are just clubbing the you-know-what out of the ball every game, but they're in Tropicana Field today, so that's going to change. This is the pitcher's park for sure. Uh, Tampa Bay also called up Vidal Brujan. He looks really good alongside Wander Franco. Shortstop, second base. Brandon Lau has been hot too. We know the Rays are pretty good. We know Shane McClanahan is pretty good. But on the flip, you know that the Rays, Davis, even being a slight favorite, are going to need pen help today. That's a certainty coming from them because McClanahan is not going more than five. Manoa can go deeper into games. He has been tough to figure out in 2021. Some good, some bad, some ugly, really unclear. Total is 8.5. If any game felt like a coin flip, this is one for me.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it does feel a little bit like a coin flip, but I'm having trouble understanding the line. I probably would have made the Blue Jays a favorite here. I mean, it's not like Manoa has I mean, I, I feel like it's a little unfair actually to say that Manoa's been a little bit good and a little bit bad. He's had one start uh, with five earned runs and one start with four earned runs. All of his other starts, it was one run or zero runs. His most recent start was against the Rays, seven innings, 10 strikeouts, one walk, no earned runs. I mean, I, I, I think that uh, I actually think that he has been. Um, a little bit, I think he's been a little bit better than that. And so I, I really like Manoa today. We're going to talk about him in our DFS segment. I like McClanahan too, but just due to the the way that the Tampa Bay Rays run their organization, they are not going to let him go seven innings. I mean, McClanahan will not go seven innings once this entire year. Manoa will, I, I think, seven innings of Manoa, especially away from – uh, from Buffalo away from Dunedin. Like, I, I feel like this is a pretty good spot for the Rays actually to, to, uh, get a win.
0: Okay. Uh, Rays today. Um, you know, it's, it's an interesting game for me as a coin flip. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, I, I, today would be the case. I mean, look, Houston takes on the Yankees today and basically Davis, the way that it works for the Astros is their first, second, third, and fourth starter. you pretty much back. And then you get to Jake Odorizzi, and it becomes a problem. (laughs) It's like he's the only one that you're just like, oh, not so sure. But the Yankees have this guy Nestor Cortez on the mound. I do not know a lot about him. I know the Yankees are playing better. And I know that this is going to be an intense game, probably four and a half hours, a lot of walks, a lot of pitching changes. They're going to play this one like an NL game. The total is telling you a big story here. It is nine and a half. So... Look, Houston is definitely the better team between these two, but Davis Odorizzi has just not had a good year. So if Cortez throws like five innings of two run ball, Yankees probably win.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at Nestor Cortez's uh, fan graphs right now, and I cannot figure. I can't figure out this guy at all. First of all, he's only 26, but he has been playing rookie ball since 2013. He was in the Yankees minor league organization. But then made his debut with Baltimore, then went back to New York, then was a member Correct. of Seattle, then now is back with New York again. Like what a what a bizarre career this guy has had um, in terms of like what we expect him to be as a pitcher. Uh, Steamer has him as like a really high strikeout, but a low, uh, but a high walk guy. You know, a guy who's going to give up a ton of home runs. So ba- really, I would kind of view him as like an opener in this game. He probably will go four innings. He'll probably get through the order twice, I would imagine is is kind of the plan here. I am, uh, I am a guy who does back Jake Odorizzi to, to a certain extent. So Odorizzi can generate a lot of strikeouts, but what's his big problem? He cannot go through the order three times just you cannot do it once he gets into that order for the third time guys start viewing his pitches like like uh you know beach balls they they just start slapping them out of there so I, and i don't know like i don't know i mean the astros bullpen i assume it's all right given how fantastic they've been this year so i i think probably i am uh i'm i'm gonna side with the astros as the slight favorite here
0: yeah and that's interesting with Cortez, he must have been a rule five it sounds like where he got taken in the rule five yes draft that's got to that- be it yeah, and got sent back to his team a couple times. That does happen in baseball. Uh, I do want to mention one more time, Davis. I know that you saw this, and so did I, this this relief pitcher on the Padres hitting the Grand Slam yesterday in what I think is the best moment of the season. Uh, Max Scherzer loads the bases and the Padres because they had to remove their starting pitcher. And was it you, Darvish? It may have been you, Darvish. They had to remove yes. their starting pitcher. Uh, they, they basically needed this guy, Cam, uh, Caminera, who comes up. The way that this works in baseball – is that when the bullpen is thin, Davis, they make a move. And usually a guy like Caminera is up for a day, and then they send him back down because they just want to protect the starting pitcher just in case. You don't expect that's, that uh, that Darvish is going to get blown up, but they got to make sure they have someone. So this guy comes in, they're down eight nothing. What is the assumption? This guy is going to get blown up too. All he's in is in a losing effort, they call him up. And Davis, this guy hits right. a grand slam off Max Scherzer, and then the Padres come back and win that game? I mean, it feels like San Diego is having a magical year and it feels like with the way that the Dodgers have just basically lost three out of four to Miami, lost Clayton Kershaw, who knows what's going on with Trevor Bauer, if we'll see him again. I think there's an opportunity betting wise and even honestly, just as a fan looking at it and saying both San Diego and San Francisco should be pushing the the pedal at this point. The Dodgers are showing a little weakness
2: i mean i think that i think that is a, a fairly reasonable opinion uh and i got to, i got a little bit of information here for us on daniel camarena went back and looked at uh, his minor league statistics to see you know what you know did he do anything as a as a batter and the answer to that question is no uh in the minor leagues he never he never he never did anything right so like you'd think oh you know he hits a grand slam in his first plate appearance you know he hits one off Max or maybe maybe in the minor leagues you know, he would have been able to, he would have, maybe he was like a combo player, kind of like a, a Mike Hampton or something where he, or or a Zach Greinke, right? Zach Greinke is like, used to be a little bit decent with the bat, Uh, hit a home run for the Royals. I mean, it's it's like this big anecdotal story that people love to tell about Zach Greinke, but not even that. I mean, truly, probably the moment of the season. I completely agree with your analysis there. I mean, just unbelievable stuff uh, from the Padres. And you're right, it does just feel like that season for the Padres, like everything is just going to go right for them this year.
0: Yeah. And and I think that when you look at it and you, you sort of, you view LA as the team to beat because they're de- the defending champs. And I'm not going to look at four games against Miami as any indicator, because honestly, LA could have won all four of those games. Miami just happened to win win three out of the four. But if you're telling me, That the Dodgers don't have Bauer and Kershaw, let's just call it for August and the end of July, then you're talking about one of those teams, San Francisco and San Diego. Davis jumping ahead, and LA is a wild card at that point. Now, I know that the Dodgers on the 30th are going to do something. They're probably going to do a lot, and it'll be a different conversation on August the 1st. But for now, especially over on FanDuel, for those of you who are looking at this, I don't think the Dodgers are a foregone conclusion to win anything. And if you're just simply looking at things that are happening currently in baseball, while they appear to be the favorites to win the World Series, the options are there for some other teams. They are not winning this thing without Kershaw and Bauer. It is not happening for the Dodgers. No way. All right, we'll take a quick timeout when we come back. A full Friday night's slate of DFS action, and we'll break it down for you next right here on Fantasy Sports Today. Back to Fantasy Sports today here on Sports Grid. Greg Nish, David Maddock. We're getting ready to wrap up hour number one. Coming up, we have Jim Sanis on the Quaker State 400 coming up. Betting preview, DFS preview. Also, we'll recap the first half of the fantasy baseball season. Talk about where Shohei Otani ranks all time in terms of fantasy for the first half with Gray Albright. So stay tuned to that coming up in less than an hour from now. All right, so uh, Davis, a Friday night slate. Before we get to the pieces involved to create the puzzle, how do you see this evening shaping up?
2: Well, uh, pretty rare for us to have a 14-game slate. You know, we got a full slate with, of course, the the Wrigley afternoon game. There is not an ace. There are no aces pitching on this slate. Like, we don't have – there's no Kershaw, there's no DeGroms, there's no shirt. – there is not one guy – pitching today who's gonna get a Cy Young vote. And that's weird. Like that is that's that just in general, that is very odd for a slate. So a couple of the things that I'm thinking are first, I would imagine that there is going to be some bad chalk, that there are gonna be spots that are way overowned, you know, whether it be Morton, whether it be Cole Irvin against Texas. Like there are gonna be guys who are good starting pitchers, but not great, who are way too owned. Those are obvious spots to avoid. And then also I think that uh, probably outside of the Padres, I don't really see one offense generating loads of ownership, and that is generally, you know, the slates that I like to play.
0: All right, so let's take a look at the starting pitchers for tonight. One of them um, is a tough one for me because, uh, anyway, I'll get to it. Okay, so here, here are the starting pitchers uh, Alec Manoa, 10,300. The tough one for me is Charlie Morton of the Braves because I know Charlie well. And here he is on the board against the Marlins tonight. And I'm going to go to the game. It's going to be tough for me. (laughs) But Zach Thompson's pitching for Miami. I'm rooting for him, too. Taiwan Walker, 9,500. They got rained out yesterday. So if I'm not mistaken, I think this is a seven-inning start tonight, probably, for Walker. I think they're playing a doubleheader. Oh, that's Saturday. Okay, thank you, Brett. And then Cole Irvin, who I picked up in fantasy, who's been amazing for me. What a great pickup he's been off the waiver wire. He has 8,000 tonight. So, you're right, Davis, no aces here. So it does feel like someone is going to make a lot of money on FanDuel tonight by finding the right pitcher.
2: Yeah, literally no aces. It is very bizarre. Uh, and and you know, I am, uh, I am partial to my guy, Alec Manoa. I talked about how he was so strong in his last start against the Tampa Bay Rays. I continue to think that that is true. He is priced way up which in a weird way, like you'd think like, oh, you know, the most expensive pitcher guys are going to want to roster him. It actually is going to go the opposite way because he is so expensive. And because Charlie Morton, I mean, Charlie Morton, I think will probably get to 30% owned tonight on this slate against Craig's Miami Marlins. I think Manoa just looks like an obvious jam spot. Like we just want to have a lot of Alec Manoa tonight. Cause he's got that elite strikeout upside. I think he can get to 10 strikeouts against the Rays. I don't think he'll be that popular. Morton is your your chalk option. It just is what it is. People are going to want to play him, uh, and then you know we have our other options. Taiwan Walker with the great matchup, and then Cole Irvin at eight thousand. It's he is just underpriced. I mean, there's just is there's no way around it. He is just not priced up even even close to enough. He should be like a nine five hundred dollar pitcher on this slate against the Texas Rangers. I think.
0: Yeah, a good matchup. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really get that one, but it looks good for me, too. Okay, let's go over to first base. Reese Hoskins, who's really had a nice comeback season, 3,800 for him. Jose Abreu of the White Sox is 3,500. Yulieski Gurriel, 3,100 for Houston. Luke Voigt of the Yankees came back. Davis had that initial big impact, and now we're waiting to see if that's going to be maintained. He's only 3,000 tonight.
2: Yeah, which is, uh, you know, I love Luke Voigt. You know, that's my guy. So he was, of course, going to make the list at this salary. Uh, we were talking about that Yankees-Astros game and, and Nestor Cortez and Jake Odorizzi. And, you know, basically, we just think that there can be a lot of runs scored in that game. So that's going to benefit Luke Voigt and that is going to benefit Yulieski-Gurriel. Um, so I, I think that uh, I think that both of those guys, I think Astros stacks, I think Yankee stacks, both of those are are fairly interesting ways to construct your lineups tonight on FanDuel for, for large field tournaments. Jose Abreu, just, you know, classic good spot against Jorge Lopez. They're in Baltimore, so they got Camden Yards nice and warm there. And then Max Muncy against Taylor Widener, massive team total for the uh, Los Angeles Dodgers, 5.3, one of the highest of the entire slate. Bellinger here also, uh, he's eligible at first base as well. He's a little bit cheaper. Uh, and Enjoy him as well.
0: Yeah, Arizona could be interesting tonight, too, in that game. I don't think the Dodgers have announced the starter because of Kershaw being out, but you're right with Muncy. This guy, Widener, I'm guessing I, – I haven't looked. I'm guessing if you check his FIP, it's going to indicate he hasn't been – he's not as good as he is, but he's actually been pretty good for Arizona. He's been the one good pitcher that they have. Muncy, here we go at second base, is also eligible, of course, there. Kike Hernandez of the Red Sox, 3,500. Whit Merrifield of Kansas City, 3,300. Jed Lowry checks in tonight in that matchup we just discussed at thirty one hundred.
2: Yeah, lots of lots of strong options at second base, which is not something we normally say. You know, normally you and I are going here through second base and we're saying, "Uh, who's going to score? Who's going to like? uh, Do we just got to take Altuve?" But we have the aforementioned Max Muncie, first base, second base eligible. We have Enrique Hernandez, who is really. I mean, he's got to be playing the best baseball of his career right now. He is really flourishing as an everyday player for the Boston Red Sox. That was something I was betting on in some of my leagues. I actually bought some Enrique Hernandez rookie cards from way back mm. in the day he he came up so long ago i think it was 2014 yeah. that it was back when panini actually had a major league baseball license so some uh, some panini don russ rookie cards for enrique Hernandez. i believe he was even in a marlins jersey actually if i go back and look at it mm-hmm. yeah. yeah so there we go he was uh he was a marlin then my guy Whit merrifield i, I mean just you know we're talking about buying a dip like if look, if you're going to price Whit Merrifield at $3,300, i am going to play him because that is uh, that is a, a very low price tag for him. And then Lowry, uh, with the slightly better hitting environment, getting out of Oakland, going to Texas, up against Jordan Lyles. Lyles, one of my favorite guys, actually, to stack against because he gives up so many home runs.
0: All right, let's go over to the corner, hot corner, third base position. Jose Ramirez, 4100 clearly in my opinion, the most underrated player in Major League Baseball. I I, I think he is, never gets talked about. I'd love to see him in Miami, by the way. Matt Chapman, 3,500. Gene Segura, 3,100. Ty France, back on the map 2,700 tonight.
2: Anytime I can get, uh, anytime I can get Ty France in there, you know that I am, uh, I'm gonna do my best to do it. And I actually think today he is, uh, I think he definitely is, is justified in being there. I mean, he is, he has had a a pretty solid season, but a good matchup for him against Alex Cobb, who we have seen. Uh, he, look, he gets the strikeouts, but he gets blasted out of every game because he gives up so many home runs. Uh, Segura, I mean, it it feels like you should have just basically this week, you should have logged in stacked every batter from the Phillies you could possibly get yep. and then log out i mean they have scored so many runs with these guys returning back in their lineup and who did they face today garrett richards the guy who said look i just can't pitch like this what do you, what do you want me to do what do, what do you I, I gotta have my stuff if i don't have my stuff i'm not going to be able to pitch matt chapman uh, great projection today same same thing that we have going on with jed lowry He's got the good matchup, slightly better ballpark environment uh, outside of O.co down there in the horribly ugly Texas Rangers stadium, and then of course Jose Ramirez, our top projected third baseman against Brad Keller, who uh, look, you know, God love him, he he cannot locate. He he has some of the worst location of off speed stuff I have ever seen. It is so brutal watching him pitch when he does not have the off speed stuff going.
0: Yeah. It looks like the Royals made a mistake believing last year, apparently. Okay. Let's go over to shortstop and Tatis is priced at 4,300 after the home run last night. Trey Turner creeping back to 4,000 on FanDuel. Brandon Crawford has slowed down. So his price is at 3,100. And Juan DeFranco had that first couple of nice games. Hasn't really done very much. This may be, I mean, it's fair to say for me that I think eventually he's going to get hot and uh, I, I don't, Foresee him going back to the minors if he struggles, but Tampa Bay is a strange; they do things strangely. So I can't say one way or the other. But he's twenty eight hundred tonight.
2: Well, I mean, I guess the thing for Franco would be: does he like? Would the Rays save any money? Would it financially benefit them to send him down? Because if so, you know they would they would look uh, probably for the excuse to do that. But I, I think once. I mean you would definitely know this better than I would, but once the service time clock starts, I don't I do not understand the rules on on how it pauses. But anyway, I do I do like him tonight just at this salary because I think he will be very lowly owned and I think he's got a lot of skill. So I want to play guys with a lot of skill who I think will be lowly owned. Brandon Crawford matchup against the opener guy for the Nationals, Pedro Espino. Don't think very highly of Pedro Espino. Trey Turner. I mean, it just—it uh, feels like it. It doesn't even matter who this guy is going against right now. It feels like every time I click on a Nationals game, it's like, oh, he's two for four uh, with uh, one extra base hit, whether it be a double or a home run, a stolen base. Like, it's just like this guy is crazy. It feels—it feels like he is—is is the best player in fantasy baseball right now, other than uh, other than Otani, and then yeah, Tatis Jr. I mean, Tatis Jr. against Kyle Friedland. Uh, it's a little bit of a mismatch, I think you could say.
0: Yeah. Turner's contract coming up too. You're going to have to make a decision there. Wow. Okay. Outfield. This is, I think the highest price I've seen Otani all year, 4,400 tonight. Uh, Nelson Cruz is at 3,700 Mookie Betts 3,500 Cody Bellinger. I expect to start hitting. I saw his at bats. They look good. 3,300 and Adalis Garcia. This is not a surprise. We spent a lot of time talking about this Davis that naturally the negative fantasy, uh, analyst is gonna say oh you should have traded him you should have got rid of him he wasn't very good guess what if he doesn't play another game the rest of the season congratulations he was amazing and it's and look davis honestly he's probably not gonna do much the rest of the year but he's already got 18 home runs i'm good
2: yeah. So I mean it's just like Garcia basically just has a good matchup is is all that's going on there. Uh, you know I don't uh, I don't love or or hate at Garcia in in general. I mean he clearly he's a lot of money for the players who've got him but I just like that platoon advantage against Cole Irvin. Cole Irvin is going to be popular so I anytime you know anytime you see um, a guy who is popular and you can get someone against him I kind of like that. I agree with you 100% bellinger is gonna start hitting i mean 3300 for cody bellinger you know f- former former mvp like come on let's let's start buying the dip there uh then you know of course mookie Bet, same thing nelson cruz same thing you know you gotta you gotta you gotta get it done with uh with those guys and then my guy shohei otani 4400 leading major league baseball in home runs marco gonzalez let me tell you lefty on lefty it does not matter Marco Gonzalez can't keep the ball in the park against absolutely anyone. That's like his specialty is giving up home runs. So feel feel very good about my my friend Shohei Otani at uh four thousand four hundred.
0: Yeah, what was interesting is that you're right about Gonzalez, but I, I don't. I mean, I'm sure you saw we talked about it less you know, yesterday. You were right about something. That guy Gilbert, that guy Garrett Gilbert, the pitcher for Seattle, Crushed. he looked really good. Yeah, he looked really good against. Uh, against the Yankees yesterday. That that may be a pitcher that I have to monitor because it looked like it was more than just one game for me with him. So, interesting name to keep an eye on. I don't know what Seattle's plan is moving forward, but they've actually been okay this year. We just don't talk about the Mariners all that much. All right, we got to take a break here coming up. We have plenty more discussion. We'll also preview Sunday's game in the NBA. And then it is back to NASCAR. We missed last week because we were off. So Jim Sanis will join us again here on the show. Preview the Quaker State 400. Can anybody beat Kyle Larson this season? It's been really tough to do. Then Gray Albright joins us, and we're going to dive into the big question that still remains in fantasy. How in the world can these providers not let you take advantage of taking Shohei Otani with the first pick in fantasy baseball? Are we still going to be down that road next year? Because if he's a pitcher and a hitter, he's the number one overall pick. If not, he may not be. We'll be right back.
1: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
0: Welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. Chris has the update coming up at the top of the hour. And we could not let Davis get out of here without giving us his opinion on the big Euro Cup final coming up this weekend. And Davis, I guess the question is, does Italy have enough to get it done? What do you think happens this weekend? Is there any good betting option that they see out there heading into Sunday?
2: I gotta say, I I think of all the storylines that there could have been for for the European uh, Championship, I this is maybe the best. England makes the final, and they make the final against you know another traditional superpower, great footballing country, right? You know, Italy, France, Spain, Germany. One of these teams. I mean, they they beat Germany in on the way in, but I mean, I I am very excited. What's interesting is I I really love. A lot of the players who play for England, but I, I just really do not like their manager. I don't like the way uh, his team has has been set up. So I will, I will probably go into Sunday betting on England and rooting for England. But I, I'm almost doing it uh, a little bit in in spite of myself. But I, I think that England at plus one hundred and sixty to win in regulation is decent, and uh, you know I don't, uh, I don't hate uh, them to win, you know, just to win in penalties either. What what time is this game Sunday? Any idea? This Any game clue? would be uh, it would be three o'clock your time, three o'clock Eastern time on Sunday. Uh, okay. So that's like that's good TV. You're not going to have to stay up too late. You can uh, you can crack <laughs> a beer on the couch, whatever. You can sit there. I, look, I mean, if if how about this? How about this? If it goes to penalties, tell me you'll flip it on and you'll watch on penalties. Everyone can enjoy watching a good penalty shootout.
0: Listen, the reason—I mean, look—you know me by now. If I'm asking what time the game is on, that means I may be interested in watching it. Otherwise, I just move right on and we go to break. But yeah, I, 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 I think that I'll check it. I think I'll check it out. I'm trying to think what I have Sunday. I know that my son's second birthday party is Sunday. We, we're doing one with the, the friends in the morning, and then between Marlins and Braves and the Euro Cup, I think I'm going to check it out. Maybe I'll try to get my son to watch and see what he thinks about soccer. So, all right, that's our first hour here for this Friday. Chris has the update at the top of the hour. We're going to talk some fantasy football and some NASCAR next. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, No, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem.
1: Uh... Reeses, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.